in this season, we're looking at this series, Gifted and Graced. Uh, the series, we understand, we believe God's gift, given us all different gifts uh, in many different ways. He also puts different graces on our lives and moves us into different grace seasons in our world. And this morning, I, I want to take a look at a dialogue um, found in Scripture. What I love about the Bible is it doesn't just tell us the, the great stories that took place, and it doesn't even tell us the, just the mistakes that uh, people made that we can learn from. Uh, at different points of the scripture, it kind of opens us up to be able to look into some of the dialogue or some of the internal wrestlings uh, that's going on with some of the people we would consider heroes of our faith. We see the, the great feats or the great steps of faith they took, the great victories they conquered. We also see some of the where they fall, fell short, and so we can recognize our humanity within that. But in that, and, and a few places throughout the, the scripture, we actually start to get an insight into the dialogue or some of the internal wrestle uh, that some of these guys go on uh, when it comes to obeying or taking on the call of God. Because I know sometimes I feel what God's saying, but internally there's a, there's a wrestle. Sometimes there's a, you're starting to go through your mind or the, the realities of what that might mean. And there's something about at times knowing uh, when, when you're not the only one that has those thoughts, sometimes it's quite comforting. Uh, I remember... It was about 10 years ago now, um, I got, uh, went on my first Revolution Tour, and uh, I had seen Revolution Tour highlight videos. Uh, that was about the extent of my experience with Revolution Tour. Uh, Revolution Tour, for those who don't know, it's a, a high school tour we run where teams go in and deliver uh, programs and assemblies in, in high schools right throughout our country. In fact, the team are down in Nelson this coming week, uh, just being in Palmy and Whanganui. And uh, basically just bring a message of hope, resilience, uh, life uh, into that space. Anyway, I remember uh, back then we weren't as organized as we were today, or we hope to be today, we, or more we aim to be today. We weren't as organized back then, and a lot more trusting, I would say, because well, I'd never been on Revolution Tour. I got handed a two-week itinerary of schools I had to go attend, and I got given a van and a team, and just got sent on the road for two weeks to go and bring hope to high school. And that was all exciting in the meeting until I was driving out of Auckland like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what are we even going to do in the first school? What are we going to say? What am I going to? And so I remember for the first few days, like being in those school assemblies, being side of stage and the team do their skit and their songs and do their part. And then I'd have to come out and, and talk. And I really had no training in that area besides Friday night youth ministry. Anyway, so I'd walk out there and I'd just get so nervous side of stage, even just like, like so almost, almost scared for the first few days side of stage, like freaking out, going through a dialogue in my head like how did you end up here why did you say yes why did you not ask more questions in the meeting like in my head I was like just going through all my mistakes that led me to this point and uh, a couple days go on and we think we're doing all right and we, we end up uh, finding one school where actually Esther's team, Pastor Esther, who's part of our church in the U.S. now, uh, and for those who know Pastor Esther, especially in terms of that school environment, is just very uh, gifted and graced in terms of speaking into that space. And so she's the one I could kind of see as the one who had it all under control. And so we pull up to the same school, and, and, and I watch her do her thing, and I'm like, man, she just makes it look so easy. And uh, afterwards, I, I kind of go to her, and go, hey, Esther, do you get scared? Like sometimes are you on the side of stage going, why did I say yes to this? And she's like, yeah, every school. I'm like, oh, me too. I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels this way. 
And from then, then I just carried on. She didn't actually give me any tips or tools. Just knowing she had the same struggles made me feel better. Uh, made me feel like, okay, this is a little bit more just part of our human nature. Uh, it's not just me being, or well, partly it probably is, just, just me being too, too nervous, too scared. Actually, there's dynamics within our human nature where we wrestle. And sometimes knowing that we don't wrestle alone, we don't think these things alone, we don't navigate these things alone can bring good confidence. And that's why I love the, the scripture because there's points in the Bible where God gives us insight into dialogue he has with people. And they are, are wrestling with that. And I get to read them and go, oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that has these fears, these worries, these doubts, or these questions when it comes to the call of God in my life. And one of the passages is a famous one, but I, I, and, and I'll just read it for a bit of context this morning. But I, there's this part in the, in the dialogue between God and Moses um, that, that I want to look at this morning. There's this, for those new to faith, new to church, new to Christianity, uh, the story of Moses, uh, just to quickly catch you up if you haven't watched The Prince of Egypt, uh, is uh, there's, uh, Moses is born into a time uh, where the Israelites are flourishing and they're under the rule or under slavery to the e Egyptians and part of, because of their growing in strength, part of the decree that any males that are, are born are to be killed. And so Moses gets born right into this very messy, uh, messy moment about 300 uh, and 20 odd years of slavery had existed up into this time. And so very messy time uh, for Moses to be born in this whole journey. It wasn't just messy, it was kind of like the pinnacle. Now, the, now their children are getting killed uh, as a result of this. And so Moses gets birthed into that moment, uh, which that alone is quite a fascinating concept in itself, that when you look at how God often answers uh, solutions, when he, when, in terms of the answer or the birthing of a solution into the problem that the Israelites are crying out for, that God didn't bring someone externally in to bring an answer. In fact, God birthed something within the people uh, that actually could be grown and developed to actually bring freedom for the people. And often when you find when, when God brings answers, even the birth of Jesus, God, God doesn't avoid the mess, but births an answer right in the middle of it all. God, God doesn't, he doesn't ignore the mess, remove himself from the mess, or even just bring an external answer to the mess. He actually embraces the mess and births answers right in amongst it all. And even Jesus, out of all the eras in society he could have been born in, he could have been born in any time. He could be born in this time and still had the same effect in terms of salvation and, and victory there. But, but for a moment, chose to be born in that time where, where the Romans had, had become become experts at how to, how, to, how to crucify people, how to execute people with the most amount of pain in the shortest amount of time possible. Again, himself born into a moment where the law of the land was to try and kill any Jewish boys that were born. And so he gets born right in the middle of the mess. And Moses in this moment gets born right in the middle of a very messy situation. God births an answer, but it takes 80 years for that answer to develop for that answer to grow, for that answer to, to discover its maturity, to be able to bring. And God gives the answer through, through the life of Moses, but even in birthing of Moses, there still needs to be a response from Moses to actually answer the call to what it is God had birthed inside of him. 
And God can birth stuff inside of us, but within what God births inside of us, there's still our responsibility to actually respond to what God has put in our heart. There's still our part to play. God puts gifts inside of us. God puts graces on our life, but he still leaves. There's an element in our life where we need to have the ability to choose to respond and actually activate the gift and the grace God lays in our heart. And so Moses kind of comes to this point now where he's, he grew up in Pharaoh's house and then uh, tries to, well, feels the call or feels the cry of his people, tries to bring an answer, makes a mess of it, ends up killing a man and, f- and fleeing and now does a season of farming. Uh, and, and then after the season, you have this moment with the burning bush where Moses walks over. And for many of us, we know the story, but I just want to get to this, this moment with what Moses says here. And so Exodus kind of, this conversation starts. God caught, says to Moses, hey, hey, this is what I want to do. I want, I want to use your life to go back and bring freedom to the people, freedom to my people. And that would have been an answer that Moses would have been praying for, believing for. In fact, he, he tried to actually achieve that in his own strength. And so there was this, this sense of, of God answering the prayer and the dream inside Moses' heart when he turns up and says, hey, I've heard the cry of my people, and now I want to send you to go. And, and Moses would have agreed with the, the, the concept that the people need freeing. So in a sense, the dream was being answered, but Moses didn't like God's mechanism on how he wanted to answer it. And sometimes we have dreams in our heart, we have aspirations in our life, we have prayers that we're holding on to, and God likes to often answer our dreams, but not always in the way we want our dreams to be answered. So, oh, that was my dream, but that's not how I thought the dream was to come to pass, God. I don't know if I like that part of the dream. And this is kind of what's happening here with Moses. God, that's the dream, but but God, I have some problems with the how, this dream is outworking because it's not quite the, the dream. I don't feel like I'm living the dream right now because of how God chose. And so Moses goes on this dialogue of first saying, you know, in, in Exodus 3, he first opens by saying to God, he kind of asks a series of questions. The first question is, who am I that I should go? Who am I? The first question in his heart is kind of, what authority do I have? Moses' first question was wrestling with the battle. Well, who am I? What authority do I have? God answers by saying, well, it's not about your authority. It's about my authority. I'll be with you. Don't worry, Moses. I'll be with you. And often even when we're thinking about the gifts, the graces, the dreams, the future of our life, we're often looking at, okay, what can I do with the, the, the authority, the identity, the person who I am? But we've got to bring into that mix who God is, that actually God is with me. God is behind me. God is for me. So God answers that. Then he goes on to say, well, God, then who are you? <laughs> well, who are you? And then God answers the famous answer as I am who I am. And it's not a very neat answer, but how do you answer who God is? That's a big conversation. And God sums it up and I am who I am. And then Moses goes on in Exodus 4, verse 1. The conversation then gets to a point where he says, well, what happened if they don't believe me? So first is what authority do I have? And then God says, well, I'll be with you. And he goes, well, who are you? And so Moses gets, he reconciles those two thoughts. And then he moves on to, yeah, but, but his next argument is, but what happened if they don't believe me? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? 
Okay, God, it's, it's all well and true for me to sit in my bedroom and read some nice scripture and go, God is with me, but I still have to live out in this world. And, and what are other people going to think? What are other people going to have to say? What are other people? And so he's, he's in this moment where he's like, well, what are other people? And then God kind of goes through the, the famous scenario of going, what's in your hand? The staff, throw it on the ground. Uh, and he goes, so he kind of he displays his power, displays what God's going to do through his life. And then it find ourselves in verse 10 of chapter 4 in Exodus. And this is what I want to look at because it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, this is in, in answering to the miracles Moses just saw. I like how he says this. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. At this point of the conversation, Moses starts to get polite. He hasn't been this polite up until this moment. But what Moses is doing in the way he's framing his words right now, he's starting to get polite. Because he's gearing up to let God down. And no one wants to let God down rudely. Well, at times we do. But it's a lot easier to try and be polite in terms of turning, turning our, our, our shoulder to what it is God's asking us. To. And he says, as part of your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, uh, neither the past uh, nor since you have spoken to your service. I am servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. God then goes on to answer him, Lord, uh, the Lord said to him, who gave, you, who gave human being their mouths? In a sense, God's saying, I know you're human. I created you. Sometimes the call of God can come on us and we have that, well, who am I? How am I? Without remembering that it's actually God that formed us, God that created us, God that, that knows our humanity, knows the limits of our humanity, knows the limits of our understanding, knows the limits of our gifts. But God says, yeah, but I'm the one who created you. Uh, who, and then he, he goes on in, in verse 12 to say, now, now go, I will help you speak, and I'll teach you what to say. But then in the, verse 13, we, we find Moses once again says, pardon your servant, Lord, please send, please send somebody else. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. And he goes on with this dialogue about Aaron. And what, what I find uh, interesting about this passage in this moment is, is that, that there's different ways we can say no to the call of God in our life. Sometimes it's a bit more like Jonah, where we just up and run from God. We blatantly know we're doing it and we just run from God. And sometimes that's a little easier to tell and almost a little easier to, to turn back from because God can send a whale. God, it's quite extreme so that you can kind of run from God and then, okay, I'll come back to God. The danger I've found in my life is probably not the times in my life where I've, I've ran and, and, and open kind of turning my back on what God's asking of me. The danger is actually when I've politely and subtly done it. Because Moses here isn't saying, well, God, get lost, I'm doing my thing. He's saying, no, just pardon, pardon me, God, can you just send somebody else? He's politely and subtly saying, no, God, I don't want to do that. And sometimes it's the polite nose that are a little bit more dangerous than the rebellious nose. It's the polite nose that can get us trapped, can get us stuck in areas. But if you look at this dialogue, really what it came down to is Moses disqualified himself based on gift. He based, based on gift. It's interesting that in this dialogue, he doesn't bring up the fact he had murdered somebody. It doesn't bring up the fact that he's actually fleeing from Egypt right now. There's many other reasons on why Moses could have justified his disqualification. 
There's many other reasons on why we can say, no, God, oh, but I'm a sinner. Oh, I've got all this guilt. I've got all this. There are some of the reasons we use, but in this incident, it's not about what he was running from. It's not about what he had done. It was about the fact he didn't feel gifted. He didn't feel qualified in terms of the, the gift set God had laid in his heart. And sometimes we say no to God politely because of the sin, the guilt, the shame. But at the end of the day, we understand Jesus comes and resolves that. Jesus comes and brings healing and freedom from that. And Moses kind of, as he goes through this conversation with God, kind of lands on one thing that is the big hold up is actually, God, I just don't feel gifted enough for that. I don't feel gifted enough for that. And it's interesting in this moment is because God was gracing him for something he wasn't gifted in. And there's areas in our life where God will use us with gift and grace. But then I've found there's times in life where God will say, I know you don't got the gift, but here's the grace for it. That actually in this season, God knew that he didn't have the gift, but God was extending the grace towards his life. Sometimes, God, this grace season on your life isn't necessarily going to be the thing you're most gifted in. And often if we just pursue gifting, well, what am I gifted at? That's part of the conversation about if that is the leading, what am I good at and how do I use that? What we also got to be open to is, well, what's the grace season that God is trying to push you towards? What's the grace moment on your life in this season? It might not be your strongest gift. I remember studying wasn't my strongest gift, but at 24, I felt God nudging me to go to university. And, and, I, and I really was like, God, I'm, I'm a lot more gifted practically. I'm a lot better in the trades than I am in the classroom. Uh, for everyone's sake, God, don't that's not a good idea. I, I'm not good when I'm bored. And, uh, and this is moment, but I, I remember God saying, yeah, you might be more gifted here, but I, I, and, and just this, this nudging of the, yeah, but this is where the grace of God is leading me. And it's important in life we don't just pursue what gifts God gives us, but we also have a heart and we're in tune with the Holy Spirit to go, well, where's the grace of God right now? Where's the grace of God? Because Moses looked over he would have known Aaron, his brother, understood the gifts on Aaron's life. And he looked, would have looked at Aaron and gone, Aaron's more gifted for this. Aaron's got the gift. And one comment, a few commentaries got different thoughts around this, but I, I, lo I love what one statement says here. Well, Aaron was gifted for it, and Aaron could speak, but didn't have the reason to speak. He had the gift, but not the purpose. Moses had the reason to speak, but not the gift to speak. And God said, actually, what's more important is not just can you do it, it's where is it coming from, what's driving it, what's the motivation, what's the purpose, what's the meaning. And that's why God can use some less gifted people to accomplish things and because it's by His grace. Because gift will create opportunities, but it's the grace of God that leaves impact and makes lasting change. And what we've got to be good at is not just going, how do I develop my gifts, but answering the question, where's the grace of God leading me right now? Is the thing you're doing the grace season God has for you? And sometimes when God's pushing us in His grace towards a season we're not prepared for, it can be frightening. Oh, I don't feel ready for that, but the grace of God is sufficient for that. And I don't want to just take on the things in life that I feel good at. I want to take on the things in life I feel graced for. And in the pursuit of our life, even the seasons, I, I don't know what, maybe the season is for your life right now, but you might be looking at it going, man, God, how... Why am I here? <laughs> but go, well, God, if this is where your grace is, this is where your grace is. And at times, grace and gift meets, and that's the sweet zone. 
but that's not always always the case. But I like what Moses say. Well, I like what Moses says here because I've said it to God, and so I don't feel alone or attacked by it. But Moses, in that moment where he says, "Pardon, pardon your servant, Lord," but can you please send somebody else? He politely turns to God and says, "Oh, yeah, no, nah, I'm good, eh?" <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we were doing it here, that's more how we say it. We don't say, pardon your Lord, do we? Don't, we don't talk like that. Well, some of you might, and that's great. <laughs> some of you might. You can teach the rest of us. Most of us would be like, yeah, no, nah, God, I'm good, eh? And the question is, what leads us to say that to God? What areas in your life have you said to God, maybe just subtly, maybe not in mass rebellion, but you've just gone to God, yeah, no, nah, God, I'm good. The question we've got to ask, or I've got to ask myself at times is going, actually, where in my life have I politely said no where I should have said yes? And what leads me to say no? For Moses, I just want to quickly this morning, just in, in the last few moments, just look at some reasons on what causes us to say, yeah, no, nah, I'm all good, eh? I, I, I want to look at some of these reasons that lead us to say, pardon, pardon your servant, Lord, but can you send someone else? I, I agree that it should be done, I just also think it should be done by somebody else. There's many Christians that believe there should be a lot done in this world, but they also believe other people should do it. And this is what Moses isn't saying, God, I don't believe that's right. No, he's saying, I believe that's right, and I believe, God, there's somebody out there for that. It's just not me. In this moment in, in Moses' journey, where first of all, if you look through the dialogue and coming to the end like we've been talking about, Moses in his own heart didn't meet the criteria he thought was necessary to fulfill that function. Moses in his own heart didn't think, well, he understood what was, it was going to take and being good at speech was going to be important if you were going to address Pharaoh's house. And he didn't meet the criteria he had laid out for what it took to function in that office, in that responsibility, in that role. In fact, that's why Jesus got a lot of accusation about the people he chose. Because what the world would set out as the criteria as a disciple, those who Jesus chose didn't meet that same criteria. And at the end of the day, you look through the life of God, you look through Scripture, you look through the Bible, is that actually sometimes the criteria we set and the criteria God sets are quite different. And Moses looks at his own life and says, yeah, God, I don't match that criteria. But what I love about Jesus is he's been using people the whole journey that don't meet the criteria, that don't tick every box. They don't, they don't make every, don't get it all right all the time. But God says, no, it's, it's not about whether you meet the criteria. It's whether you're willing to obey, whether you're willing to trust, whether you're willing to follow me. The other area, I think partly this may be not for Moses, but I know for areas in my life where well, has, has led me to the temptation of saying, yeah, no, God, I'm all good, is, uh, is I, degree, I believe there's a degree where he would have found comfort in farming. There's a degree now, he's been doing it for 40 years. Maybe if God showed up on the 40th day, because if you've ever farmed, 40 days in, it's pretty sucky. <laughs> and so, but 40 years into it, you build patterns, you build rhythms, you build, you build your lifestyle, you learn how to live and exist within it. You learn the, the motions of it. And what God's asking here is, is a massive shake-up to the very thing 
Moses had now built his life around, his comfort around, his, his, his way of operating, his, his, his projection towards his future. God's coming in here, and there's a degree of, of farming. Because we know, if you look at the life of Moses later on, obviously shepherding is definitely part of the grace and the gift on Moses' life. He was able to shepherd uh, a whole nation of people for 40 years through a wilderness. So he's able to lead them and guide them through the wilderness. And there would have been a degree of farming that was meeting part of the natural gifts and grace on, on Moses' life. So there would have been a degree of competency in what he was doing. And the danger is at times, sometimes we, we move into an area where grace thin, and then our gift and our competency lifts where we can, when we can now operate in that, in that area, operate in that space with a level of competency. But the danger is, and the thing we've got to make sure we don't do, is let our competency rob us of our dependency on God. Because sometimes we develop a competency. You ever done something at first, like it's like your first day on the job, you know, you're up early in the morning, especially if it's a job you know you shouldn't have got. You, you know your CV isn't that good. You know, you ever <laughs> had a job and you're stepping in there and you're like, man, if only they knew. Uh, and so you head into that job with great prayer, great faith, great God, I need your grace in this season until you start to develop a competency in that job. And all of a sudden now, because there's a competency, it robs you sometimes of your dependency. Now, I don't, I don't believe in just living life incompetent. Um, develop your gift, develop your strength. We need to be competent. I don't believe in living in incompetency. But the danger is, is as you get competent, don't let it rob you of your still dependency on, on God, dependency on the grace of God, dependency on the source, dependency on Because the more we do life in our competency, sometimes the dependency on God just kind of fades away. Just fades away. And now I'm competent. And, and, then, and then now my dependency is actually comes more around my competencies. And God's wanting to shake that up. And in shaking that up, you start to realize maybe I've become more dependent on my, my ability to be self-sufficient than I realized. And God comes in and is shaking up Moses, saying, yeah, farming was right for a season. There was grace for a season, but that grace has moved on. That grace has moved on now. Because in Moses' life, that 40 years in, in, in farming, that 40 years as a shepherd was, was pivotal in terms of what God was leading him to. So there was a season there where there was a grace for it, but God was showing up to say, okay, that season's over now. And there's some seasons we can't wait for God to remove us from. You ever been in seasons in life where you're like, God, just take me from this season. I'm ready for the next. But then there's other seasons where it's like, oh, wait a minute, God, I like this one. Can summer stay a little longer? <laughs> and God's saying, no, the season's changing. The other reason is, is Moses would have boxed in his abilities, again, determined what he could do and had evidence to it. Because Moses once had actually tried to bring deliverance to, to some Jewish slaves, and it turned out all wrong. And something in his mind would have said, oh, well, obviously that's not me. Obviously that's not, not, not me. Obviously somebody else is better at that. And the danger is sometimes when we've tried things and it hasn't worked out right, what we do is we, we box it in by saying, oh, that's not me. And we can box in. We can box ourselves in at times. I've got a love-hate relationship with personality tests. 
I like them because it does help you understand how you think, how you're wired, how you move. I hate them because sometimes people box it in, box their life in. I just don't do that because I'm not a, you know. That's why, I, you know, I've unlocked my top five strengths finder and someone said, are you going to unlock your bottom ones? I'm like, no, that'd be dangerous for me. Because if I can justify the reason I suck at something, I'll never attempt it. That's my person. That, if, you, if you look at the top ones, you're really, you're really like, it's dangerous for me to know, to have reason behind my incompetencies. Now, that's not for everyone, but for my personality type, that's very important. But some people box themselves in so much. And I get knowing who you are, how God's wired you. The question is, do you still allow God to speak back into that space? Do you actually allow God to come into that space and say, yeah, I know that's how I've wired you but I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you my grace. I know you fall short. I know you've got some incompetencies, but I'm going to give you grace. Grace. And I'd say sometimes the grace of God is there to to develop us. And the danger is at times is on the other spectrum, sometimes we rely too much on the gift of God. I'd say other times we rely too much on the grace of God. It's like the grace of God comes in and covers our incompetencies for a season, but then there's times where God's like, but use this season to develop the gift. And there's times you look at the life of Moses when he led out of the people out of the promised land, it was going great, but then there's times where it all turned into a mess. And it was in turning into a mess that Jethro would step in and say, Moses, what you're doing is not good. You've got to change. You've got to grow. You've got to develop. You've got to understand. And there's times where the grace of God will come in and cover us and lead us and carry us for a season. But in that season, we don't become lazy in our gift that we just go, well, it's all God. Leave it up to God. But there's actually a development in our own, in our own ability. The other thing Moses would have done, he would have overlooked the grace on his life. Because the thing about the grace on your world or the gift on your life is it's ordinary to you because it's easy to you. Like you've ever, you've ever seen someone do something and they're like, oh yeah, just do this. Make it look real easy and then leave you to it. And you're like, it doesn't work as well as they did it. I remember when I first moved to Auckland about, you know, when it, when it was about 10 years ago and when I was doing college here in Auckland, I'd never caught a bus in my life. There isn't buses where I come from. There's still horse. You can catch the horse and cart, but you couldn't catch the bus. And uh, I remember walking to Auckland and hanging out in the city one stage with some friends. Didn't have the car in the city, and I lived on the North Shore. And everyone just gets on buses to go home. Like, they're off that direction. I got no idea. Everyone's just like, oh, we just bus here and bus there like it's easy. And then they all bus off, and then, then, then I'm the... I didn't mean to say it like that. I just want to apologize. <laughs> you heard what you heard, all right? Don't blame me. Sam's away today. We're a little safe. And uh, I remember walking into an internet cafe because I had no data. How to bus home. <laughs> it was so ordinary to everyone else because they grew up with it very foreign for me and sometimes there's some things in our life that just become so ordinary we don't even think about it and someone else is like man that's a gift that's a grace for Moses he was brought up in Pharaoh's house he had done a whole a whole era a whole season of understanding how Pharaoh's house operated he had then been moved to do a whole season and a whole era on understanding how to navigate the wilderness 
No one was more prepared than Moses. He might not have thought he had the right gift, but he didn't actually understand that God had been preparing him the whole time for this moment. And the 40 years in the wilderness, he wouldn't have even understood because he only thought it was three days for worship. But actually, some of the things you're going through right now, you don't understand the why. God, why this season? Why right now? And it's not until later on you actually look back and go, oh, I see what you're preparing me for. I see what you're fashioning in my heart. I see what you're developing me. And we grow up in spaces and we get it. God moves us into environments that don't always make sense for the here and now. But understanding, no, God's grace in this season is to unlock something for my next season. But the last thing I think would have, wrestled in, well, there's a couple more, but for the sake of the minute 43 we have left, the last thing for us this morning, on why we say, yeah, no, God, I'm a good at, well, pardon your servant, Lord. It's sometimes because of the fear, the worries, and the doubts, the uncertainty. And you can look through that dialogue and go, well, where did Moses say he was afraid? Where did Moses say he was doubtful? The thing about those things, I've found we hide them behind different things. No one just says, I'm worried. Well, some people do, but a lot of us in this life wouldn't just say, you know, we're not very good at expressing, oh, I'm just fearful. We hide it behind other questions. Like, oh, I just don't feel like that's what God's asking me to do. Because sometimes we, we, the danger, we, we disguise our fear. And that's why I love in, in John 21 when Jesus had died and just risen again and starting to, oh, sorry, not, not John 21, John 20, verse 19, God, Jesus had died, just risen again, and the disciples, uh, he hadn't yet appeared to all the disciples. So the disciples yet uh, sitting in this place where it talks about that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And then suddenly Jesus was standing amongst them, peace be with you, he said. He spoke to them, showed them his wounds, his hands and the side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And after that, they went on to boldly confess the gospel throughout the nations, throughout the land. But it took a moment where Jesus walked into the, the middle of the room where they were hiding with their fear. Jesus came right into the middle of the spot and said, hey, look at, look at my sacrifice. Look at what I've done. Look at my grace. Look at this. And it was in the the discovering the grace of Jesus in the middle of where they had locked up their fear released a confidence for them to go and boldly confess the gospel to all the world. And sometimes we, we can box ourselves in, we can lock ourselves up, we can not rebelliously turn our back on God. I mean, you're still here on a Sunday morning, so if you're running from God, you're doing a terrible job. <laughs> you're not very good at it. It's funny, different times you have conversations. But yeah, I feel like I'm just really running from God. I'm like, you're here at church. If you're going to run, at least do it properly. <laughs> but sometimes there's that feeling in our heart of, of pulling back, of pulling away. And there's many things that, that drive that. But I like the disciples here sitting in a room afraid, unsure on what to do. And then the grace of God just walked into that space. And just a moment with the grace of Jesus developed the confidence in their heart to take on the, the courageous things God was asking them to do. My prayer in that moment is 
is at the end of the day, Moses has this dialogue with God. The conversation ends on Moses saying, pardon your Lord, can you send somebody else? God gets angry and says, yeah, okay, I'll bring, I'll bring Aaron on the journey with you. And then Moses doesn't respond again. Moses didn't actually say, all right, God, I'm in. You signed me up, I'm off. The next scripture in, in verse 18, it just says, and then Moses went back and asked Jethro if he can go back and see his people. That actually somewhere in that conversation, in that dialogue, Moses' heart shifted and changed and said, you know what, God, I'm up for this. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to go for this. Somewhere the grace of God kind of came around his life. I don't know, at the end of the conversation before he shows up to his father-in-law, something around that just said, God, I I still don't have answers to the questions I really need, but God, I understand you're with me. I understand your grace is with me. I'm unsure on what it's going to look like. I'm unsure on how it's going to play out, but I'm going to choose to pursue the grace you have on me rather than just the gifts alone that you have for me. I'll say in this season, develop our gifts, grow our gifts, hone our gifts, sharpen our gifts, but do it with the understanding. Where's the grace? Where's God? Don't just like Aaron talk for the sake of talking. Talk with reason, talk with purpose. Don't just do what you're doing for the sake of it. Do it with reason, do it with purpose. Do it, do it, do it with the grace of God on your life. Do it with the grace.